The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. They've had their warning. They've had their warning. Here's Lucy Bryans. That is remarkable from Arsenal. Oh, is it? Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. This week, Chelsea see red, but some Fleming flair keeps them top. City close in on the red side of Manchester and we get ready for the championship finale. It's me, Lindsay Hooper, this week, alongside Carrie Dunn. Let's bring you in first, Carrie. I don't even know where to begin when I introduce you, Carrie, because you're author, but you're journalist extraordinaire. Uh, You're also out in nature now, in the wilderness, probably (laughs) worthy of your own Instagram account, I imagine. Um, How is life in Wales? It's beautiful. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Probably the best thing I ever did, moving out of London, having a little bit of space to myself for the first time ever, having a garden and everything. Amazing. And being at one with with Mother Earth. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm doing that so much, but I do have a garden. I've seen lots of lovely beach shots. Um, we've also got Jenna Scalacci, former Spurs player. You can give us great insight now, Jenna. We're, we're entering that final run-in of the season. What is everyone going through? What are your former teammates thinking right now? Yeah, I think obviously they've got, a, mathematically, they're still in for a chance with the Champions League spot. But I think I, I think this season, maybe it's just that far out of reach for them. But I think they've still got a massive part to play in the in the WSL Championship, I think, you know, they've still got Arsenal and Chelsea to play, so they could maybe cause an upset. Um, and then obviously going forward, I think it's that horrible time of year where you find out if you're, you're staying or, or you're going. So, yeah, I think there'll be lots of mixed emotions. Very different perspectives from both of, both of you on the season as well, because Carrie, like myself, we're more passengers. We just enjoy the ride as neutrals. How do you think this season has compared, Carrie, to others? To be honest, I mean, I was expecting it to be perhaps more of an Arsenal-led title season from the start for the first kind of couple of months. And I was expecting Manchester City to be slightly more up there at the start. I think it's becoming quite an exciting run-in. I think there was a bit of a lull, uh, perhaps kind of around the uh, restart, around New Year. And I think it's going to be a really exciting last couple of weeks, which is nice. It's nice to have uh, things go down to the final game, hopefully. So um, hopefully it'll be as good as the uh, the epic weekend where everything was decided with the last kick of the ball. Oh, yeah. I mean, you want that. I don't. I feel like I'll be in the middle of a motorway somewhere wondering <laughs> where I've got to go to if that happens. But Jenna, what's the comparison like for you, having been right in the thick of it, and now you get to, to view it slightly differently? Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant. I think this season, it, it, it's had everything. I've never seen the league so tight. And I think the fact that it could go down to the last day is, as a neutral and any football fan, that's, I think, what everyone's been working towards to make this league as competitive as as possible and it is so exciting and even myself as obviously a Tottenham fan the way that they've come about this season I think they had an absolutely flying start I think maybe towards the end of the season now they've tapered off a bit and and I think the depth in this the squad is showing so um but no it's just a really exciting time and I think the next two weeks we've got some great exciting football ahead of us 
on that note, we get to just reflect on the weekend that's just passed. It's been a difficult one for me. I didn't see any of this live. I was away for a big birthday weekend. We will not dwell on that. But I've caught up and it it gives me great pleasure, Carrie. I'm going to bring you in first to talk about moments of the WSL with now. Moments of the Women's Super League with now. Watch the big moments from the WSL live with a now sports membership. What have you gone for? I've gone for Jordan Nobbs' goal for Arsenal. It wasn't a deciding goal, so it's not about how important it was in terms of the match, but she hasn't looked particularly happy for a while. She hasn't had perhaps the game minutes she'd have liked to have had, so it was just really good to see what it meant to her, see her smiling again. Do you know what? I've been on standby so many times when it when it's come to Beth Mead and assists because we have Karen Carney in the studio as you know Jenna at Sky and she's been closing in on overtaking her for a while she leveled with her I go away and it all happens because not only did she get the assist she scored a 50th goal as well and that's what I'm going to pick is the goal because I think Beth Mead and her play this season clearly she's created a lot but when she's needed to she's scored important goals as well so I've chosen that Jenna how about you? Uh, for me, I've chosen the Kia Simon pass um, through to Williams that then led to the, the red card, the controversial red card that wasn't a controversial red card. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that pass was, I mean, the vision and it was perfect. And, you know, th- there was great movement in front from Williams. But for me, it was that pass. I'm glad we ended there because we're going to come on to now Spurs 1, Chelsea 3. You can stream the biggest moments of the Women's Super League with now. It's double fixture week as Chelsea hosts Spurs on Thursday at Kings Meadow, and then on Saturday we're off to Manchester as City host Brighton. And you can watch all the live Sky Sports action for just eleven ninety nine by grabbing a Now Sports Day membership. To find out more, search Now Sports or visit NowTV.com. A scoreline that on paper, it looked like a routine win. But as I think you've already alluded to, it was anything but. It was a game that had a little bit of everything except a shot on target for Spurs. We have to say that, Jenna. Why do you think that is? I think, you know, when you look at their stats from this season, there's not too many attacking threats that that Tottenham have at the minute. They're not scoring a lot of goals like those teams around them. And I think that's why they've they've kind of dropped off now. Um, I think Rachel Williams has been fantastic. She's so much more than a goal scorer for Tottenham. You know, she uses her experience. She's a really clever player. But if she's not scoring, they haven't seen another player really step up and, and, and be that goal scorer. So I think it's definitely something they'll be aware of. And I think they'll be looking to strengthen the squad over the summer uh, because, you know, to be up there, you've got to be scoring goals. And, and this season, they've not really scored a lot of goals. They've won by one or two goals. So, yeah, I think that's definitely something they'll be looking to improve on. You were right to point out that pass from Simon. It, it was exquisite and the weight on it was perfect. What it also has done is create another moment of this season for the Chelsea camp, I think. You know, what happens going forward with Anne-Catherine Berger? There has been this flip-flop between goalkeepers. We're not used to seeing it, actually, Carrie, where a manager decides to rotate quite so much with their mm. number one, as I'll say in inverted commas. For you, undeniably, a red card in that instance? Yeah, absolutely a red card. I mean, I know that Berger was uh, claiming that she got equally clattered by Williams because she was kind of holding her arm, wasn't she? Um, she did do up that, Until yeah. she actually walked off and then she was fine again. Yeah, I think it was absolutely a red card. It was, you know, it was rash coming out that far from from, from the area. And she, and she just took her out. Um, I, I don't really understand why there was any real debate over it. Do you think this has raised some concern now for her future? Because 
it, it isn't very often you get goalkeepers doing this mm. flip-flopping. Maybe it's something that Emma will want to continue doing and she has every faith in both. But could you see that there was potentially a fight here to prove who could get that jersey on a more consistent basis? Yeah, obviously, players want to play. They want to play every week. I don't imagine anyone's particularly keen about being part of a rotated system. So I would imagine that Berger would have wanted to take her opportunity between the sticks to show that she should be the first choice all the time. So it's not great to make it an easy option to put someone else back in. But you're right, it's not it's not often that you see goalkeepers rotated. I know that Joe Montemuro talked about rotating his goalkeepers, thinking that Lydia Williams was good for one type of thing and Zinsberg was good for another type of match and different tactics. But I don't see, you know, Emma Hayes hasn't talked about her reasons for doing that, so I'm not sure why that is. But... Um, yeah, not great for, for anyone in the Chelsea camp, the, the burger red card. That's a crucial part of the season as well, Jenna, for that to happen, to then miss another game. Um, Chelsea facing Spurs again on Thursday this week. That's live on Sky Sports. You do remember these performances towards the end of the season, don't you? Yeah, I think she'll, she'll be the most relieved player that Chelsea did turn that around because, you know, they that team spent a lot, 70 minutes with 10 players away from home. It could have been a completely different story and that could have had a knock-on effect with their title challenges. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's the most crucial time of the season and, and in those moments you need a calm head. But I think she she totally misread the, the situation. It's clumsy, maybe mentally in her head with all the, the swapping in and out may had a part to play um but yeah it's um it was a big big moment in the match but um Chelsea had the quality to to, to overcome it what did you make of Emma's tactical switch afterwards because going down to 10 you then watched this game and I actually felt it reversed I I didn't then think that Chelsea had 10 I felt like now they look like they've got 11 it was just ridiculous because prior to that they were missing something um she did switch to a 4-4-1 was this Emma doing ultimate managerial brilliance that we know she's capable of yeah I think she got it spot on I think half time come at the right time for them I think you know the first half I thought Tottenham were were the better team I thought they were on top I think players like Simon and Williams really used their experience Molly Bartry at the back um but they just couldn't you know they had no shots so without a shot you can't you can't score and capitalize on that and they didn't manage the second half very well so I think yeah Emma Hayes got it absolutely spot on I think sometimes when I played in games when you go a a player down it it, you, you play the best football because you know you've got to fight for it and I think given what was at stake you could see that Chelsea team they've really got together they've got quality you know Emma Hayes made the subs and yeah I agree I think the second half you wouldn't tell that it was a 10 v 11 I think uh, mm. Chelsea were by far the better team and that they managed it perfectly for you Carrie when you when you look at Spurs Chelsea again on Thursday what do you think can be improved from a Spurs point of view in this one I mean there was a potential penalty for Williams we've already mentioned about the lack of creativity in front of goal but they did manage the game very well in parts they did. I mean, they were getting, they were creating chances. It wasn't like they weren't doing the, the, the right thing. I mean, I thought the short corner routines were perhaps a little um, over relied upon, perhaps. So, you know, fundamentally, they need to have a shot. They need to score a goal if they want to get something I have against to Chelsea. Say, I need to find out from Jenna as well. I hate short corners, Carrie. I hate <laughs> them so much. I'm glad you brought it up. Why? Why, Jenna? They so do often. have a part to play. They do, but you have to mix it up. It can't be every time a short corner, but they do. I quite like a short corner when, when, it, when you can pull it off. 
Okay, I interrupted there purely for my <laughs> hatred of them, but go on, Carrie. Yeah, well, well, let's talk about um, the short corners. I mean, what was happening in, in in the box was when they were getting the balls in, it was ricocheting around the place. That's how they actually did get their, they did get their goal. So, you know, get it in the mixer, see what happens. Goals are goal, isn't it? <laughs> you're not maybe going to get three of them though if, if Chelsea are going to score three again you're not going to get three like that they have to come from somewhere else look there is a huge positive in the Spurs camp and I, I always think the timing of these things isn't coincidence sometimes the fact that Zadorskis extended her contract to 2023 that is going to give everyone at Spurs a lift and you can tell can't you how much they love her as captain yeah, I mean, I think she's been brilliant since she's she's joined and a real leader at the back experience. I think the um, previous seasons, the back line for Tottenham was a bit weak and they were leaking too many goals. And this season, they've been very hard to beat, resilient, um, a real togetherness. And she's at the head of that. So, yeah, it's great news for Tottenham. And, you know, she's looking for it's an exciting place to be at the minute. They're they're really they're progressing ahead of what was planned. So, yeah, I think next season will be even better. And, and it's great that she's she's staying with us. Well, there is a title race that is going to go right down to the wire by the looks of it. Let's move on to Everton nil, Arsenal 3. And Chelsea did lay down that marker. Arsenal knew that only a win then would do against Everton. They got one thanks to Ford, Mead and Nobbs. Uh, they made it look quite simple, actually. I think, really, do we do we start by talking about Jordan Nobbs? Uh, you mentioned this in your moments of the WSL with now, Carrie, but... Uh, she's a player, there'd been a lot of talk about going into this game. I would have hated to play in this match if I was her because looking at just comments and social and everyone saying she deserves better. What did you think of her overall performance? I think she 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 played well. I mean, I think Jordan Nobbs would quite enjoy that kind of speculation. She'd want to go out and have a have a point to prove. I think she rather enjoys that kind that kind of spotlight. Um, but yes, you have to feel you have to feel sorry for her in some respects. She's been so stricken with nasty injuries at awful times uh, throughout her career, and she's been waiting for this milestone goal for so long. And been to since for it to April twenty nineteen. Oh my April 2019, she's been stuck on 49 WSL goals and then gets 50. And you could see the emotion spilling over, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely. And and you saw how pleased the rest of the team were for her as well. They knew how much it meant. So, yes, it was it was a very touching moment. But yes, also as a player, you kind of you, you must feel really pleased for her to finally get that ticked off and we can all move on with our lives. It's not very often that you have Arsenal one in a favour from Spurs, is it? But they, they're going to be looking at your lot, Jenna. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously Chelsea and Arsenal will be looking at Tottenham to do them a favour. And I think, you know, Tottenham, when they go into the uh, Chelsea match, I think it will be a completely different game. Obviously, they'll have 11 players back on the pitch. But I think Chelsea have had a bit of time to go away and look at the first half performance and how Tottenham were hurting them. Um, so I think it'll be a, a, a tougher match. You know, Chelsea are at home. It's going to be a tough match for Tottenham to come away with anything. But I think if they go out there and perform like they did in the first half, they've got absolutely nothing to lose. Because of Chelsea going down to 10 in the other match, it's hard to compare like for like. It did feel in this one, did it not, that Arsenal, very much a dominant performance here. They had 24 shots compared to one from Everton. If you were comparing the two teams on current form, who's sort of edging, edging it for you? Uh, for me, I think Chelsea, I, I just can't see Chelsea losing it now. I think right. uh, they're in the driving seat. I think they've got the 
the experience within their team. They've been there before and I, th- I just can't see them dropping any points now. You can't see someone carry like Black Stenius having a say in this. I was thinking about January signings and often we wonder how much impact those can have generally across the board in football. But there are certain certain times that you think, oh, maybe, maybe it's going to come down to this player. I mean, she had a really good chance early on in this one. I think the way that she's managed to link up with Viv since joining the club, these are where the goals tend to come from now. Absolutely. Um, I think Black Stenius has been a great signing, a fantastic player, and I think she slotted in really well. And as you say, she's linking up really well with Miedemar. I don't think she has enough time now to turn the title rise. I think Jenna's right. I think Chelsea have the edge. I said as much when I was on, on the show with Kate and Bass last month. I just think Chelsea have got their noses in front and they are not going to let it slip because they know what it takes to win a title. But Arsenal should have had it wrapped up. They should have done. They should have won those matches they didn't win. They've drawn too many and the points have been dropped and it's their own, it's their own fault. <laughs> You, you, are you thinking about the, the loss to Birmingham in particular? Are you well, pointing at St Andrews with that remark? I wasn't going to say that specifically, but yeah, if you're going to win the title, you need to be beating the side at the bottom of the table. Come on. Mm. Um, are we going to start seeing some mind games appearing here? Because if you're Arsenal now and you're listening to this and we're not the only ones that have said, you know, it's Chelsea now who are going to go on and win... Do you not play into that a little? Is that what you'd be doing in the dressing room, Jenna, now? Is saying, everyone's saying that this is Chelsea's to lose now. Let them have the pressure and we will just do our thing and see what happens come the end of the season. Yeah, I think, you know, in inside the camp, you try not to pay too much attention of outside news and, and people's opinions. But, but there's I think- so much more now, Jenna. You're on most oh. of it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you, you like as a player, you definitely use that as fuel to go out there and prove everyone wrong. And I think for Arsenal, they've just got to concentrate on on each game as it comes. They can only control what's in front of them and they have to ensure that they're not dropping any points and, and they're hot on Chelsea's tail putting the pressure on them because um, I read um, something from Erin Cuthbert she's she's never known the pressure and, and the lead to be this tight so they're, they're definitely feeling the pressure so you know there's still a handful of games to go and, and anything can happen as we've seen already this league in this league you know as we just mentioned Birmingham beating Arsenal so you know anything can happen it's definitely not over yet. We've spoken about the battle then between one and two, top of the table sorted. There is another mini battle that I have loved to see emerge and it is the Battle of Manchester. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. To our Manchester clubs, then next, where the race for third is hotting up. You always hear those cliches. Is Manchester going to be painted red? Will it be painted blue come the end of the season? I like that we get to adopt this as well in the women's game. It's become a real thing quite quickly as well, Carrie. 
Yeah, it really has. I think it's been a really fantastic part of the WSL season this year. The fact that United have really stepped up. They were, I think they finished quite disappointingly last season. I think we're expecting perhaps slightly more in the running. But this year, I think it's been really good fun. And that rivalry has really properly developed. It's lovely. I'm loving talking about the rivalry because actually talking about Villa nil, United nil, not so much to say about the game itself. Um, But from a defender's point of view, a former defender, Jenna, we've we've got to give some credit here. First of all, Carla Ward, who seems to have really struggled with the home form, but I've noticed little tweaks that she's made and the organisation for the team now, just towards ending a season on a high, they look a lot more compact. Yeah, definitely compact, organised, disciplined and, you know, that... They're not leaking goals like they used to. So, you know, that's the basis to everything in football is just having a strong foundation at the back and then you play forward. So, yeah, she's done a fantastic job. And, you know, she's she came first season in, in the league and I think their aim was obviously to kick on from last year, establish themselves. And I think they'll be happy. You know, we heard her saying that she was so happy with her team they haven't conceded against Manchester United. So, yeah, it's full credit to her and her players as well because they have had some tough tough results and, you know, to get a draw against Manchester United, I think there's a big result for them. That said, Carrie, considering the threat comes from so many different players for United, were you surprised that they haven't managed to score against them? I mean, I look at the form that Ella Toon's been in recently, Leah Galton, Alessia Russo... There, there are goals in this Manchester United team. Why can't they find them against Aston Villa? I think it was it, it was the Villa defence, as Jenna says, that made, made the difference. Um, I saw Carla Ward say on the television afterwards that she told the players that she wanted them to run through brick walls for each other. And she said that she knows that they normally do, but she wanted them to do it even more. And I think you kind of saw that. In, just even if you're watching the highlights, um, the way that they were defending in numbers, the way that they were covering for each other, it's, this is the kind of result that Villa would be looking to grind out. And it's the kind of match that has really gone against them quite often in the past. You've seen like a last-minute goal, an injury-time goal, and Villa have lost. And nil-nil draw, that's, that, that's really something. The defending and, and the blocks, they're as, as a defender, of course I'm going to be biased, but they're, they're as good as goals they are, that, that some of the defending that was on show from the Villa players. Oh, yeah. I mean, is that your calendar come the start of the year? You know, Anita Asante with that block on the line. We all love those curlers into the top right corner, but you're you're actually purring over those blocks. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was a very, very good block. I I think I came away with a sense of disappointment that there wasn't more. There was a great opportunity for Martha Thomas from United. What it does mean for them, they stay third by a point advantage over City, but City have a game in hand. That game is against Birmingham, who we pretty much know are doomed. And that's at home on the 4th of May. So with that in mind, does this all shift now, Carrie, for you? It's all about City getting European football? Oh, it's a really tricky one. I mean, the the usual mantra that I always wheel out is the the points, points in the bag that makes the difference rather than the games in hand. It's so tricky. And I think also the the Manchester rivalry must be playing on people's minds a little bit. At least it would do for me. But that's why I'm not a professional footballer. One of many reasons. But I would be worried about that. I'd be thinking about that too. Well, one of the things that came after this game had finished was an announcement at a really bizarre time. I think it was something like 6am yesterday morning. Um, Anita Asante has revealed that she's 
going to retire at the end of the season. I mean, what a career she has had. If you've seen the video clip that's been doing the rounds, you forget how long that Anita has been playing football, don't you? Uh, we are going to hear more from her later on about it. But just your initial reaction, Jenna, to, to Anita Asante making that decision. Yeah, I mean, I was quite surprised because watching her obviously play at the weekend, you, I think she's got years ahead of her still, you know, to play at the top level. But yeah, an absolute legend of the game. And as you say, it does feel like she's been around for ages. And I think in that young Aston Villa squad, she's been fantastic. Um, you know, you've read Carla Ward just just praising her and how how brilliant she's been and even teaching Carla Ward things because, she, you know, you can't buy that kind of experience that she would have picked up along her career. And when you know, you can speak about this when you made your decision, do you just know, you know when it's time? Yeah, I think, you know, I always um, had people say, you know, you'll know, you'll know when it's time to to retire. And I never, never got it for so long. Obviously, I retired when I was 36. So I was like, no, I don't think that will happen. But no, yeah. And then, and then it hit me. And then, yeah, you just know, and it, it's exciting time. So I, I have no doubt she's got she's got she's going to have an even better future within the game. She's got so much to give back to the game. So yeah, as daunting as it is, it's also a very exciting time. I got a teeny heads up, and I, I'm talking a matter of hours about it. But for you, Carrie, you knew this was coming because part of your book you can keep a secret. If ever you want to trust anyone, Jenna, <laughs> I, I trust Carrie. Doesn't go anywhere. You've been sitting on this. You knew that this retirement announcement was going to come. Um, well, I spoke to Anita in November of 2020. So this was during, I don't know, wow. was it lockdown wow. three. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we were, you know, I was talking to her for, for my new book and we were talking about the move to Villa, which I thought was quite un, quite an unusual decision to make at that time. And I said, why had you not chosen just to hang up your boots when you left Chelsea? Why Why was that not the point that you wanted to stop? What more can you possibly want to achieve? And she said that she didn't want to finish her career having had so many injuries in, the, in her kind of final couple of uh, months at Chelsea. She didn't want to end a career on a big injury, you know, that forcing her out of the game. She wanted to be uh, in some kind of an environment where she could start to pass on her experience to the next generation. And she really bought into the Villa project and she knew that she could kind of help there. And I asked her whether she was thinking about what she might want to do next because she started doing a PhD. I don't know whether this is common knowledge too. And she said she didn't think she had the... uh, the uh, attention span to do that anymore but she was kind of willing to consider any other kind of possible kind of coaching perhaps she was doing the coaching badges and see how she can change the game on the other side of the touchline so it was obviously something she's been thinking about for a long time and I'm really pleased that she decided to go out on her own terms that she's been able to have this couple of seasons with Villa to start to pass on that knowledge you know this 20 years of knowledge that she's got to pass on to a new generation and yeah, that she's stepping back, hanging up her boots, and she knows that she's done everything she's set out to do in the game. Well, you never know. She may revisit the PhD because I can imagine during lockdown, and you were talking to her when it was at its height, and I've spoken to a few students recently, they've had a miserable time of it. Can you imagine not doing anything face to face? So I wouldn't have the attention span if I was logging on to endless 
Zoom meetings like this one. Like this one. This, one. this one's an <laughs> exception. Um, but yeah, you never know. She might go back down that route. She's got so much to offer, as we know. We'll hear more from her about that later on in this very podcast. Worth saying as well, Carrie, all of this research was part of your book, Unsuitable for Females. And I, I feel like this book has been coming, but now it's right around the corner. Second of yes. June is out. Second of June, yeah. It's kind of the book that people kept asking me if I was going to write after um, Roar of the Lionesses came out and then Pride of the Lionesses. They're saying, I can do something a little bit more historical. So this is the, this is that book. It's a series of pen portraits about the women who kept football going for, for future generations during the 20th century, during the ban and before the WSL. And a, a 12th book, I didn't know this until we spoke off air before we started recording this I, I've read two of your books I didn't realize there were another <laughs> 10 I've got to catch up on you haven't got to read all the others Lynn some of them are academic books that I was writing when I was lecturing and oh, there's yeah, one about yeah, yeah, wrestling yeah. you might want to read that oh I, I actually um presented on the on the big screens at the London 2012 Olympics and the sport that I was covering was wrestling. <laughs> okay, well, this was professional wrestling, your Hulk Hogan's mm. and that kind of thing, rather than the actual sport. Oh. But uh, yeah, you still read it. A little side note. Uh, we'll move on to the blue side of Manchester then. Uh, Manchester City 4, Leicester 0. Um, of course, City closed the gap to just one point. They beat second from bottom Leicester quite comprehensively in this one. Uh, and there have been standout performers this season. You think about Manchester City and the struggles they had at the start, but they've really had players that once they hit their stride, Jenna, that was it. They were taking off. I'm thinking of Caroline Weir and Lauren Hemp, probably two players I'd love to have in my team. If I was choosing from the whole of the league, they're a couple that I'd want in. Would you? Yeah, definitely. I think they've been absolutely fantastic for Man City this season. I think key for Man City is that all their injured players have come back just at the right time. You know, they, they've all they've found their form now and, and they're absolutely flying. They're not just scoring one or two goals. They're absolutely steamrolling teams at the minute. So, yeah, they, they've found their form. They've got top, top players. Um, they've, they've also got that depth on the bench. And I think for me, if I was to choose between the two Manchester teams, I think you'd have to go with City at this stage, just given the experience. They've been there before. And I just think this, if it does come down to goal difference, they're just scoring so many goals at the moment. And getting players back, it feels like some players as well. It, it's like as if the season's starting for a few um, and then it will all come to a crushing end just as they're, they're right in the, in the midst of their form. Um, Carrie, if Jenna's going to have pin-ups over goal line clearances and last-ditch defending, can you just indulge us, please, with this wonderful goal from Blackstad? Oh, that was an incredible goal. I think I think they actually did very well with the goal scoring all of these goals. Even the penalty was a good goal. Manchester City are just good at finishing, but yes, Blackstad's goal. I just I, I, I cannot enthuse enough about City's finishing this weekend. Um you've mentioned Lauren Hemp already and we already know what she can do because she's doing it for England now. You're saying about the season perhaps finishing just as they're hitting their stride, but perhaps it's finishing at the right time for England this summer. Oh, yeah. Very good point. It could roll over to that. Uh, what do we make of Lydia Bedford then saying that only conceding one in the second half is good for us? As a, as a former defender, Jenna, what do you feel when you hear those words from a manager afterwards? I think, you know, conceding as many as they did in the first half, then you look at, you have to break it down. You know, you've got to try and stay in the game for the second half as long as you can. And I understand where she's coming from in the sense that They've been absolutely hammered by 
Chelsea, Arsenal, haven't they? And they've totally fallen apart after conceding so early on. Um, so I think they are sh- they are showing that they're they're growing week by week. So I understand why she said that. I think you know this season for them they they just had to establish themselves in in that league and you know against the Man City team who are flying in form. Losing a half one nil probably is a small win for them, you know, after conceding three in the first half. So I, I do understand where she's coming from. They are still learning. They are still growing. And, you know, they've got a very young team there. So it, I think they just need, obviously, you know, she's not convinced that they're, they're safe yet until it's mathematically um, been confirmed. But I, I, I can understand why she said that. Well, we'll leave that one there and move on to Brighton 1, Birmingham 3. And we do get to talk more about relegation here because our final two games saw Birmingham beat Brighton 3-1. This was quite a shock result uh, when you consider that I've pretty much ruled them out. I've said that they've gone. Um, I'm sure other journalists have. Have I gone too early? If I was a bookmaker and I paid out, would I be thinking, oh dear, I've, I've, I've gone too soon, Jenna? Given at the games that they've got left, I think they've just left it a bit too late. You know, they have played some really good football. I think, you know, obviously beating Arsenal was massive, a massive three points for them. But I think I think it's just a bit too late for them to be able to save it. You know, they've got Man City and and Chelsea to play, as well as Villa. And I just you know, they're they're top, top teams who are fighting for their for their own battles. So I can't see them picking up points against them. I think maybe if it was a a month or so ago and they were picking up points, then then maybe it might have been a bit too soon to write them off. And you also think with Leicester having Reading and Spurs even, they they uh, they would maybe fancy their chances a bit more of getting something from one of those. Uh, how about Brighton in this one, Carrie? What do we say about them? Are they, are they on the beach? I don't think so. I mean, I can't imagine Hope Powell allowing that, to be honest. It was very, very poor defending, actually, from both sides in in, in that match, from what I could see. Um, I, I guess I, I was wondering whether Birmingham themselves feel that, that, you know, that they've been written off by everybody. We've talked about uh, dressing room reaction. If they've been written off by everyone, they can go out there and they've got a point to prove, as well as trying to save themselves from relegation. I wonder whether that mindset has helped a little bit. Is it the, is it that mindset? I'm I'm being a bit sceptical here as well, or is it players as well wanting to have the shop window of WSL to say, "Hey, I'm here. I'm pretty good." Oh, you cynic, Hooper! Oh, you cynic! I know, I know. What do you think, Jenna? You've been on that inside track. Yeah, I was. I was actually just going to say that. I think there's uh, a lot. Of... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a cynic. Then I'm not. <laughs> You're both Jenna, cynics. There's there that will be not wanting to be going to dropping down to the championship. So they'll be fighting you know it is a shop window as you say so yeah 100% I think players are stepping up and they're, they're putting in those performances I think Louise Quinn and Lucy Quinn were fantastic for Birmingham and they're definitely two players who who belong in the WSL. Can you only sign them together is it like we'll take the Quins? <laughs> Carrie's nodding <laughs> Carrie's saying yeah that is the only option yeah that is the only thing that could possibly happen because it's not confusing at all it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, West Ham 2, Reading 1 uh, to finish off. So finally, West Ham, they were victorious over Reading in this one. At relative ease that they got this victory, even though uh, there was only one goal in it. I don't know. You looked at this game going into it and you thought it was a mid-table nothingness, uh, just a vacuous fixture for, for everyone wanting to know what what was the outcome of it. I am going to say there is there is a talking point. I think there is a talking point, And it's Hasegawa 
I honestly think Chelsea should be looking at Hasegawa to potentially replace G when G wants to move. Now that's up to G when she goes on. We know how crucial she's been, but she does that same sort of work in midfield. Everything going through her, she dictates what's happening. And I've seen little glimpses now that have made me think, wow, maybe one of the top sides could come in for Hasegawa next season. Could you see that, Carrie? I could, but I think West Ham are putting together on the sly because because on the sly, yeah, on, because they're out of that kind of top echelon at the moment. They're putting together a pretty good squad and they're starting to really click. Um, they're only like a couple of points behind Spurs, aren't they? I know Spurs mm. still have games in hand, so I think they might be ones to watch next season. I don't think they're going to say yes to any asset stripping this summer. Oh, Claxon alert. So where do you think they can finish? Europe? I think that's next what they'll be looking season, for next, season, next season. Not this season. No, obviously. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's what they'll be looking at next season, certainly. Wow. We switched to the other end, though, because um, we, we were talking about Anita Rosante earlier on her retirement, and we're going to be hearing from her next. Delighted to say I'm joined by Anita Asante, who's had a really busy day of speaking to everyone post this announcement, Anita. I guess the starting point is, how long have you known about this? <laughs> what can I say, Lindsay? I knew I wanted to retire and retire on a high, a personal high by playing well and the team is performing well. But when I signed this contract for Villa initially, you know, I said two more years, I think I've got that in the tank uh, to give it to the game. And it just so happens that I just feel that it's the right time to sort of step into a new chapter in my life and experience some, some new things as well. Carrie spoke to us earlier and she said when she spoke to you about her book you'd had a discussion about retirement and and that you were very keen not to finish at Chelsea when you'd been injured and and do you feel you managed to put that behind you that part of things yeah absolutely because you know sport is kind of ever ever changing you know it's kind of fluid and it was a difficult time having a very serious long-term injury at obviously one of the top top clubs in the country and trying to get back into the team and find my form you don't always have the room to do that you know in a team that's results driven for results and big competitions but you know the, the whole experience I loved my time at Chelsea you know I was under Emma Hayes's management who I've known for a long part of my career and to be around those players who were such ultimate professionals was a great part of my journey and it just led me to where I've ended up as well that I've been able to get through that part and and continue to play at this level and it's a career that has spanned a couple of decades Anita you you talk about how football you found your calling is effectively what you've been saying about it Uh, it must feel when you do sport at that level the level that you've been playing at for such a long time such a privilege to do absolutely because Going from being a small girl, you know, playing football in my estate with the boys, um, it was a hobby, essentially, and it was something I just had so much fun doing, and it was my passion, and the thing that I always just thought about, you know, after school, I want to go and play football, so to have been able to actually actually realise my dream and realise my potential within the game that I love so much is, is honestly, it's there's no words that can really describe how lucky I feel that I've been able to sort of embark on this journey. 
You were part of the quadruple winning Arsenal squad. I'm sure that's going to be one of the standouts. 70 caps for England. You were part of the Olympic squad as well in 2012. That got a whole new load of fans looking at the game, didn't it? But where do you feel you are in terms of where you're leaving the sport behind now, the, the position it's in? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a really difficult question. I mean, it's a broad question, but I think every generation that's ever played the game has inspired the next you know I had pioneers before me that have led me to this point where I got to eventually play a game that allowed me to be a full-time professional and now you've got a whole new generation of players that are living that experience much earlier in their careers so I feel like the game is definitely in a really good place and it's only continuing to grow and get even you know more interest and more publicity and the publicity that all these dedicated athletes deserve so for me, that's exactly what we want. You know, we want to leave it for the next generation to take it on and, and carry it forward and hopefully inspire the future as well. How did Carla Ward take the news when you told her and how did your teammates also react? <laughs> Good question. I think when I had told Carla, you know, that I was thinking about retiring, um, you know, she was very supportive, but she also equally said like, you know, are you sure, you know, do you want to take... A, a, few, a bit more time a couple of weeks to really uh, decide because your form at the moment has been incredible and I think you've been a, like a positive asset to the team um, and I was like well of course I'm enjoying playing but this is a decision I've made and my teammates of course they're you know constantly bantering me uh, every day you know come on you got one more year <laughs> at least one more year you know and 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 trying to convince me to basically do a Tom Brady and, and come out of retirement before I've even started it. But um, to be honest, you know, the support I've had has been incredible um, from the club, from my teammates, from the coaches and, and everyone that I've ever played with or against um, past and present. You have been a regular voice on this podcast. We thank you as well for many years ago when Kate and I were just beginning on, on the journey. You were one of the players that often would speak to us and we're really really grateful for that we know that media will beckon but um, I understand you were doing a PhD at one point but you you put the the lid on that one for a bit well you know I'm a little bit older now I don't know if my brain can handle that information. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no obviously that was part of um, my ambition at the time because the women's game obviously was nowhere near as advanced as it is today um, there wasn't really a lot of research about the women's game and and how we could sort of propel it forward and the different structures around it and that was an interest of mine but now I've lived it a bit longer hopefully I can work within those structures and continue to inspire change from within the other side of the game the other side of the pitch in terms of player aftercare and welfare, because I know that you're very keen at speaking out on issues as well. It's something I'd love to to come back and talk to you about again. From here, I mean, does the first phone call go in as soon as you've decided you're retiring? Is that how it starts the process? I'm sure it's unknown to you as well, but we know it's an area that needs work across the game in its entirety. Yeah, I think it's an area that's still developing within the professional game because, like I said before, the game hasn't been professional that long. So embedding the right structures and frameworks within it to support players and their transition is an ever-evolving challenge. But I think there are more um, options in place 
for players to think about their transition and what kind of you know pathways they want to go down and obviously we have the PFA you have the clubs itself and the general managers and, and managers that are openly discussing these conversations with their players and um, trying to help nav- us you know navigate the next move um, so I feel like I've been well supported in this area but that's only probably because I've been thinking about it beyond this time for a long time having come from a game that was largely amateur as well where you thought about your careers so um yeah hopefully that's something that will continue to to get better and um yeah we'll see lots of players I think making those smooth transitions as well please keep speaking to us about it as well it's also about making these things uh, available to everyone to to know about how it works and and I know that you'd be great for doing that so we'd love to chat to you again about it I can't let you go with asking without asking about career highlights I know it's difficult when you've got such a load of memories to to choose from but is there anything when somebody asks you that question immediately your mind goes ah think of that well I always have to say the quadruple winning season in 2007 with Arsenal because I was a baby then (laughs) (laughs) when I look back at the images now and it always just fills my heart with joy I think at what we achieved for that time and you know just a special group of players and and characters but also you know I had a legendary coach in in Vic Akers as well that spotted me in my early days as a young teenager and and had the belief and trust to, to give me the opportunity at senior level so that's absolutely one of the highest highs for me thank you so much Anita I know it's been such a busy day for you thanks for taking the time out for us at the Athletic Women's Football Podcast and we'll be hearing from you again I know (laughs) thanks a lot Lindsay Well, two other competitions to keep you across this week. Firstly, to the Championship, where we've reached the final weekend and it's a huge game at the bottom. Watford versus Coventry, 11th versus 12th. And it really is winner takes all. Well, winner doesn't get relegated is how we'll pitch it. So to talk us through this one, it's Emma Sanders from the BBC. Emma, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Nice to be Um, here. I don't know how you're keeping across it all, to be honest, Emma, because we're very much dedicated to WSL. Obviously, we dip into the championship every now and again, but you've been across all of its intricacies as well as some of the men's game as well. This is a huge one, though. So can you sell it to us, this game? Pretty much everything riding on it. Yeah, absolutely everything riding on it. And especially for Coventry United, who were actually deducted 10 points back in January. They were saved from liquidation. And since then, they've gone on and picked up 13 points from 10 games. So it would be a, a miraculous comeback if they can if they can stay up in, in the league. And they're only two points behind Watford, obviously, going into this final game. But that means that they have to win. Watford can get away with a draw um, because their goal difference is far superior. But yeah, it's pretty much, it's going to be going all out, I think. Coventry, they beat Lewis on the weekend to set up the relegation decider. So they're in really good form at the moment. Watford have only won one in their last four games, but only two games all season as well. So yeah, a lot riding on it for both teams. Obviously, Watford are, are a massive club. It's taking place at Vicarage Road, Road as well. So yeah, get yourself down. It should be a fantastic game. Wow. I mean, we've seen these narratives before, Emma, where teams have had huge points reductions and then they've got spirited, the team have come together, they've fought and fought and tried to take it right down to the wire. Do you find when you report on on teams like that, that there ends up being a swell of support in that area going into this one? Does it feel like people think, well, Coventry, because they had that 10 points deduction and they're still in it, the, the neutrals are sort of going towards them? 
Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, if you scan across social media, poor Watford, but everybody bar Watford fans, I think, seem to be wanting Coventry to stay up. It, I think it's just the way that they've gone about it, the way that they've responded to that really tough period over Christmas. You know, there was players and coaches that thought they were going to be out of a job on Christmas Eve. And then, you know, local West Midlands businessman Lewis Taylor came in and um, agreed a, a deal to take over the club, save them from liquidation. And since then, they've just been playing on confidence and momentum, really. Their captain, Katie Wilkinson, is in absolutely fantastic form. She keeps banging the goals in, so... Yeah, they've got some fantastic players there. They they got a couple of players from Villa on loan in January as well. Nat Haig has been like a bit of a stalwart for them at centre back as well. So yeah, I think for the neutral, there's a lot of players there that are performing above their level that are just leaving everything week in, week out for the shirt. So yeah, poor Watford. They they haven't got too many fans out there. <laughs> Does it actually give them an advantage playing at Vicarage Road? Because we've seen other teams, certainly in WSL, that have a different home ground for m- most of the season, occasionally get to use the bigger stadiums. But it can't feel like it, it is a home theatre, if you like, when, when you're only doing it occasionally. And I suppose it depends on how many tickets they sell. Yeah, I'm a little bit indecisive on this because I do agree. I think it's difficult when you play in those bigger stadiums and you haven't got I guess, the closed-in atmosphere that you would perhaps have at a smaller ground where you might be able to pack it out a little bit more and obviously when the number is a little bit less. But I think they're hoping that they will get the numbers down from the neutrals, especially, you know, for, from the Coventry United side of things. But I guess playing at Vicarage Road for Watford probably puts on a bit more pressure as well. So I disagree. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think there is a home advantage there. Uh, we saw Liverpool getting that trophy actually last weekend. Uh, so for next season, what? how do you fancy their chances in the WSL? Because uh, we've seen Leicester come up and it looks like they might stay. They're not mathematically safe yet, but but are Liverpool in, in a good position to stay there? They're certainly in discussions around what they can do to, to take that step up into the WSL. This isn't something that, that will come overnight. They've been planning for this for two years now. They've made some signings throughout the year with the WSL in mind, the type of players that they think will be able to compete on that stage, perhaps in a better way than than they might have been able to adapt to in the championship, which is a lot more physical in terms of the way the football is played. Um, they're bringing in new staff members. I know that they've already got a long list of players that they're looking to sign. I think there'll be four or five players perhaps coming in in the summer. So there could be quite a high turnover. Um, and the, the club are starting to invest a bit more now. They've been criticised in the past and rightly so. But over the last 18 months or so, they, they have really started to push the women's side. So I think Liverpool will be, um, will be very competitive in the WSL. And I would be surprised if, if they were to go down. Enjoy all of this coming to a conclusion, Emma. I know you will do. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Cheers. Emma Sanders, broadcast journalist for the BBC there. We're rattling through this, ladies. We've had a championship covered. Uh, we've covered all the WSL. Let's get into Champions League, uh, the holy grail where a lot of people want to be playing. Uh, big fixtures this weekend, semi-finals on Saturday. Both are played on the 30th of April. Can we see anything but barcelona Leon in the final for this one on the 21st of May? Anyone offering anything different? Show of hands. Not for me. No, no not for me either. No. I mean, Barcelona, they, they were 5-1 winners in the first leg over Wolfsburg. You can't see that being overturned. And also Barcelona being reigning champions as well. There's just too much there. Much tighter, though, between Lyon and PSG, with Lyon triumphing 3-2. 
Were you more shocked by the closeness of this result, Carrie? I wasn't shocked exactly. I find the dynamic really interesting in France now, now that people have realised that Lyon aren't what they used to be. They're not unbeatable. They're not going to crush everybody every single match. So I'm finding that really, really intriguing. And that's why I'm I'm kind of quite keen to see the Barcelona-Lyon final, this kind of not faded glory of Leon and the kind of new dominance of Barcelona. But yeah, kind of that narrative. I think that's quite exciting. For you, Jenna, does it matter who's in this final out of PSG and Leon, or is, is it just too dominant from Barcelona? Whatever happens. <laughs> I mean, I can't see Barcelona not retaining their trophy. I think that they're, they're on another level um, all in all aspects of the... From the, from the goalkeeper to the front, I think they're fantastic. I think that any young player watching women's football, you know, to watch Barcelona, they're just incredible. And they're just so far away from everyone else. I think, you know, they absolutely blew Wolfsburg away. And Wolfsburg are a very good team. Um, and they come away 5-1 winners. So, yeah, I can't see that Wolfsburg pulling that one back for sure. And I, 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 I can see, I think it will be a Lyon uh, final, but then I think Barcelona will dominate as we've seen them do all, all competition. What does it say about the state of English teams? Because we've seen players vocally saying, WSL, one of the best leagues, this is where we want to be. But then we can't see any of those teams in this last four. And it was a disappointing season, I thought, overall for, for English sides in the Champions League. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously having no English side at this um, stage in, in the Champions League is disappointing. I think the league itself is one of the most competitive in the world, if not the best. I think all the best players are coming over to the WSL, which we haven't seen in the past. It's usually our best players go go overseas. But they are now coming back. I think Barcelona, I think they're just um, just their, their own little, in their own little world. <laughs> and it's definitely something that, the English teams can tap into, but the gap it, it's got to it's got to close, and I think it will over time with more investment into the WSL, which we're seeing already with with the standards. But um, yeah, I think it's been a disappointing run for the English teams in the Champions League. So hopefully next season we'll have a, a lot more success. Mm. In in future seasons, Carrie, is it going to be an English team that challenge someone like Barcelona? It's going to be a team that, as Jenna says, has the right investment and has the right support from probably from the from the partner men's club. And we're seeing that Barcelona are benefiting so much from that. They've got money and they've got actual backing. People are putting their money where their mouth is. They are walking the walk and talking the talk. They're getting 90,000 people to the stadium. Um, you know, that's the kind of backing that you need to compete with Barcelona. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to manage it otherwise. So if it's an English team that manages that, then fantastic. If it's a German team that manages it, also fantastic. Because what we want to see is good, competitive uh, Champions League. If anyone's secretly backing PSG, there's a really interesting article from Charlotte Harper on The Athletic. It's been written about the fractious relationships that have appeared within the team yet they keep going and performing on the pitch. Surely every manager wants to know how to handle that. We've got fractions here, fractions there, but we'll carry on winning and we'll do okay. Uh, You might learn a thing or two with that one. Go and have a read. Um, That is it for this week, both Jenna and Carrie. Thank you so much for your time. What have you got on the horizon? What are you doing this week? What am I doing this week? I am uh, working on my potential new book. Another one? Another one, yeah. but that's that will have uh, I've more, more to say about that come the, come the end of the summer, and um, then I'm going off to get married. <gasps>
you dropped that one in the end oh congratulations Carrie honestly we wish you all the very best from everyone at the Athletic Women's Football Show as a regular and a lovely voice we love to hear from have a very happy wedding day I hope the sun is shining like today Um, Jenna I should have gone with you first because you can't top that one but um, what what are you up to? (laughs) God I sound so boring I'm just off to coaching coaching this week we'll be supporting Spurs on Thursday and that's about it really I will be completely the neutral for Sky Sports at that game, but I will um, hopefully see you there for the for the Spurs-Chelsea one. Whilst we're on that subject, there will be a bonus podcast from that very match on Thursday, Jenna. Uh, we're going to have lots more content for you from uh, Spurs against Chelsea. Uh, so look out for that one on your feed wherever you get this show. Um, thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week with more as we go into the final round of matches. Can't believe it's all nearly over. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.